it was who I was surrounded by at that time, you know, was um, people who maybe didn't want the best for me, who didn't want the best for themselves, who didn't know what they wanted in life. And, you know, I had to sort of take a step back after separating myself from those people and recontextualize what it was that I expected out of life. You know what I mean? I had already committed myself to MMA as a lifestyle, but I hadn't committed myself to believing that I was capable of making it the to the highest echelon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are hearing this, you have once again to the Consequence of Habit podcast, and this is your host, JT. You know, on this podcast, we have in-depth conversations with our guests about the impact that habits have played in their life, both good and bad. And we use these conversations to help us better understand the things that are in our control and the things that aren't. It helps us analyze the things we do on a daily basis and have an honest conversation about whether those things are adding value to our life or they're holding us back. So with that said, let's get it started. Hey, this week on the podcast, we welcome Ian Alston. Ian is a heavyweight MMA fighter out of Philadelphia. And I, this doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a fight fan or not, really, because we get into mindset, we get into habits, we get into the things that, that we need to do to, to chase our dreams or just become a better version of ourselves. I, what I like about this interview, I've, I've heard Ian in other really just MMA podcasts, and what makes this, the conversations about habits unique is that we discuss things outside of fighting, things that, that, are, that are relatable to just about anybody. Ian talks about his sometimes lack of confidence, some of the struggles he's gone through you know, along the way, and in the end of the day, you know, what it means to bet on yourself, to really chase your dreams, and everything, that, that all the work, all the habits, everything that leads into that. Hey, you guys have heard me talk about the workshops that we're doing here at Consequence of Habit and, and how impactful they are how much they've, they've helped people uh, to change their habits, to, to really make some positive changes in their life. If you guys want to be part of that, you want to have a little skin in the game on that, uh, then head over to consequenceofhabit.org. Hit the donate button. Be part of this movement. If you guys understand our mission, if you back our mission, um, then, then be more than just a listener. We ask you to, to actually step up and, and show a little love, show a little support, and let's, let's make this thing, this thing grow. Thank you. Without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Ian Alston. All right, buddy, we're back uh, tonight. I'm doing this is a late one, man. Uh, I get, I'm sitting down with Ian Alston. Uh, Ian, thanks, man, for for doing this at nine thirty on a Thursday night with me. You know, honestly, this is kind of an early night for me, is it? Uh, as far as my schedule goes. So yeah, it was it was when you said nine thirty p.m. I was like, perfect. That's that's usually when I'm getting done work. I actually had a and early, my day starts real early and then has the habit of ending really late. So Does it? This was perfect for me. Uh, all right. Well, just so everybody knows, Ian, heavyweight MMA fighter. Uh, I came. The, I want to I give the backstory and how I even found out about you, know anything about you. Please. A lot of the listeners already know that that we'd, we'd partnered with Fuel Hunt. This guy's just been an amazing supporter of Consequence of Habit. I had, I had them both on and... Uh, both Joey and Drew, like from the second they heard what we're doing, like we're, we're behind it. So they did a, a, a shirt. It was modeled by a guy who I'm like, I don't, I don't know who this is. And then you actually, I think had 
I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I reached out to you on social media. Come to find out you're a, you're a heavyweight MMA fighter. Mm. I hit up our boy, uh, Pat Brady. He said, yeah, he, yeah, I know him. Good dude. We, we fought in the past. So, so here we are, man. Um, Phil, another Philly fighter, dude. I, I, yeah. Dude, we the can't... Philly fight scene is really popping off right now. Huge. Um, if, yeah. If you're not familiar with mixed martial arts right now, just out of Philadelphia and particularly out of, um, I guess Northeast Philadelphia, yeah. you know what I mean? You have Martinez MMA, which is where Pat shorts. Um, and from there you have the Dawkins brothers who are two high level mixed martial artists. They're in the UFC. Um, you have Pat who's a pro on the regional circuit like I am. And then you have Marquez MMA, which is the gym that I represent. Um, and there you have Andre Petrosky, Sean Brady, um, Pat. Jeremiah Wells, you know, uh, Pat Sabatini, uh, Joe Bodybags Piper. This just litany of of guys who are coming out, and and Philly MMA is just on a roll right now. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> nothing but killers. And and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get into, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit before before we hit record that just habits in general. And I'm always fascinated by fighters. There's something about the fighter mindset because to, to 99.9% of people out there, that is a terrifying prospect, right? You, you know, and, and there is going to always be a little bit of a difference between what happens in a cage and what happened, what happened in, in a street fight. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you are uh, trying to tap somebody out. You're trying to choke them. You're trying to knock them out. And that is a terrifying prospect to mm-hmm. most people. So that mindset is something I've always been fascinated by. I've always been drawn to it. And then uh, we'll get into some of the habits just in general, just not just fight specific, but the human experience kind of specific. So yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. But first off, how, how do you find that fighting is this outlet for you? Because from everything I've read, everything I've heard, it is a far cry. You, you're breaking the mold of, of what a lot of people would think. I'm actually getting ahead of myself. Ian is a self-proclaimed uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, a fan. Uh, is fan the right word? I yeah. Um, yeah. I, I play I play tabletop RPGs and stuff like that. Tabletop. Okay. So, it, listen, <laughs> when I found that out too, that was that blew my mind a little bit, just a little bit. Um, you're an artist. Uh, you like video games. Like there's this whole, I mean, you're, you're not this one sided thing where people look at it and go, Oh yeah. If I, if, if I said, Hey, he's playing Dungeons and Dragons. And when he's not doing that, he's whooping people's asses in a, in a cage. That, that, <laughs> those are, those are, it's mind boggling. So well, I'll let you finish the story. How did you get into it? To, um, you know, falling into martial arts is something that, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was not like a, you might be able to guess from my habits, like my, my, my hobbies on the side. Sure. I wasn't an athlete. I didn't play basketball. I didn't play football. I didn't play baseball. My father and my mother were both, you know, athletes in high school. But I think my father had gone through this period where his dad made him play every sport under the sun. Yeah. And so when it came time for me to be involved in sports or involved in extracurricular activities, and I showed more of an aptitude for things like art or um, education. He didn't want to push me. You know, he wasn't, mm. he, he didn't want to do to me what his father had done to him as far yeah. as making him do every sport. So um, I thank him for that. I, I think there was a level of sensitivity there that maybe guys 
that are usually cut from his cloth don't have. You know, he's a hard, I'm working class. I come from a working class background. I'm very proud of that fact. Yeah. Um, I worked in labor for years from the age of 12 onward. I was working on roofing crews, you know, guys are neighbors in the neighborhood. But, you know, that being said, I was a video game kid. When all my, when other kids were going outside to play sports, I was inside drawing or I was inside uh, playing my PlayStation or, and, and you know, like I got overweight, you know, the thing was when you live a sedentary lifestyle and I'm a big guy anyway, I, uh, I put on a lot of weight and was very unhappy as a kid. You know, I was not very confident. I wasn't, um, you know, I was a nerd. I was a, I was a, an, a, a recluse as a child. And so I hit maybe 12 years old and you start to, to get towards puberty and you start liking girls and stuff. And you're sure. like, damn, I really don't want to be the fat nerd anymore. So, yeah. um, it's a long way to get there, but I started lifting weights in my basement or in my garage. My, my mom and dad trash picked, uh, an old bench for me and just like a 20 pound barbell with a couple of weights. And I started doing that every day, every night I would go down, I would stop playing Xbox or whatever it was that I was doing at night. And I would go down into my garage, no matter the season, um, whether it was freezing cold or scorching hot in the summer, and I would lift my weights. And I did that for maybe six, like maybe six months to a year. And I joined um, Powerhouse Gym, which is right near my house. And I give a lot of credit to, uh, I linked up with this guy. His name is Eric Keck. Um, Doc Strong is his brand. I haven't spoken to the man in years, but he was uh, I Really, he was an army guy and he, he helped me get into a lot, really good shape, got me into boxing, connected me with boxers. And then about a year into that, um, <laughs> such a, a, a long, long tail to get here. But I started taking these, I, I was, I was trying different things out. I was taking guitar lessons at this place called Sintioli's in Northeast Philadelphia. And across the street was this gym called, uh, Simplify Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine who I went to high school with, I was 13 or 14 at the time. Um, I really was very bad at playing the guitar. And so I decided, let me try this martial arts thing out. My friend had been a student there prior and I started doing Muay Thai there. And a few years passed. I'm doing it consistently. It really speaks to me. I have my first Muay Thai fight when I just turned 17. I won. I got my hand raised. And all that to say that. Once I was in it, once you get your hand raised, there's no, no looking back. Yeah, it's a know? drug, I'm sure. I can only, well, I'm, I'm saying like I've gone through it, but I can only imagine. And, and, and just to, to back up, I mean, because you're living what you're playing in video games at times. Like what yeah. this is, this is, this is a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's a ton of value in that because it, most people will, that transition will never happen. Like everything that mm -hmm. happens in a video game will, will, will you know, it will stay in their basement. So to, to transition, yeah. how much of that do you, how much did you think was your kind of wanting something more? How much of it was luck? Like when you look, because, because I could see even in your face as you're going through all this, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit that has to happen for you to be in that position. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Synchronicity, stuff like that. I mean, I, I will say that, um, I would not be anywhere near the spot that I'm at without just knowing the right people, yeah. having the right people around me. Um, yeah. You know, at Semper Fi Mixed Martial Arts Academy, I had a lot of great coaches, um, some of which, some of whom are still with me to this day. Wow. You know, that was 11 years ago. 
And, um, you know, I started out with this guy, John Lewison, who was my Muay Thai coach early on and the owner of the school, Julio Rosario. Um, he, if you go and watch my fights, you look in the corner, he's in the corner for every single one of my fights. I spend so much time with that man. And he just, I think people, especially for young men in particular, mm. I think there is this real lack, especially now of like real strong male yes. role models. And I think if I had to pick out a key factor uh, in my development as a fighter and as a man, um, one of the really key things was that I just ran into all of these great, strong male role models for myself. Yeah. You know, when I was lifting weights, it was Doc, my, my weightlifting coach. When I got an MMA, it was Julio. And now that I'm at Marquez MMA all the time, it's Coach John and Daniel Gracie and these guys who are just these giants of um, both the sport that they're in and just willpower and the desire to succeed, the, the, the hard-headedness that I think a lot of people lack now um, that would probably be seen as a negative trait by some people as well. Well, right. That's a, that's a discussion you see a lot now, right? This whole idea of of masculinity, mm-hmm. and and it, it you know there's obviously there there can be there can be that toxic side, but there's in my mind in my own experiences because I'm I'm 47. I can look back to me as a as a when I was younger, and there was I was definitely missing. Um, I was in, I was missing some 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 male influences that held me accountable. That, mm. that 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 knew you had to be uncomfortable to get to you know the best out of yourself and could push you and then held you accountable when you weren't you know you couldn't mm. you couldn't pass it off onto somebody else and say you know it wasn't my fault you know they call you out on it uh, so yeah I and and I love the fact that you acknowledge that where you are like you know everyone's idea of being self made <laughs> I everyone's who's self made I I'm gonna guess is because of people that they've by chance have run into. And, and it also goes to For the, sure. It goes to the point that you become what you surround yourself with 100%. Um, so you, so you start this process, you get into weightlifting, uh, you, you get into, to Muay Thai that transitions to MMA. What was the time where you said, Hey, I'm going to bet on myself that this is, I'm going all in on this thing that I have a passion for. So that's interesting that you asked that question, because as I mentioned earlier, I was working class, you know, from a young age, I had a job or at least like a part-time that I was doing stuff in from the age of like 12 or 13. You know what I mean? When I was, I was working for my neighbor's roofing company, helping them haul materials, or I was tutoring at the library. You know, I got a job at, for the free library of Philadelphia, the moment I was able to legally work. Um, you know, so I had this, I, I was taught from a young age that, you know, if you want, if I want money to spend, if I want to be able to do the things that I want to do, I have to earn it. You know what I mean? My parents yeah. gave me an allowance occasionally. I didn't have like a set allowance, but it's not like they were so strict that I couldn't be like, Hey mom, I would like to go hang out with my friends. Can I have $20? I'm sure she would have done that anytime I asked, but I didn't feel right doing it as a kid. I didn't yeah. like doing that. And I've always seen the value. And I take pride in this fact of hard work and of the desire to earn your earn your place, earn your spot. And so for years, while I was doing Muay Thai, doing jujitsu, getting into MMA, I was actually maybe 
if I started fighting, fighting when I was 17, I was probably three or four years deep in the whole thing. Um, and that means that I was seven years deep or so into martial arts in general yeah. before I was doing this job. I was working for a company that did mold remediation and asbestos removal. Oh, Jesus. That is a dirty, dirty job, my friend. It oh, is, I can only imagine. You got to wear a full suit, a whole respirator. Um, you're constantly cooking in these attics, removing things like vermiculite, which is this little grainy kind of sand foam uh, asbestos based uh, insulation. You're taking pipe wrap off and it's hyper toxic. You're, you're removing all this disgusting materials. There's dead, dead mice in the walls and stuff as you're demoing oh, these old houses. But, you know, I had my third MMA fight. I was one in one at the time and I had my third MMA fight after having had four Muay Thai fights. And it was just hard. It was so hard to, to balance those two things. I would work a 12 hour day and then I would go train. And then also teach MMA at Semper Fi Mixed Martial Arts Academy as well. So I get through this third MMA fight and I just had to have a conversation with myself even where I was like, I'm either going to have to commit to working all the time to pay my bills or I'm going to have to accept the fact that I'm going to have to be broke for a while if I really want to fight. And the only thing that really brings me any joy or fulfillment is the pursuit of glory in the cage. So yeah. I had to, to, you know, I thanked my boss and my crew at the time. They had done a lot for me, but it was time at that point that I had to accept that if I'm going to go anywhere in this, it's got to be everything. You know what I mean? It's got to be every waking moment. Um, and and, and when, when was it? And when, how long ago was that? So I'm 25 now. Uh, I was probably tw just turned 21. So four years ago. Um, so now everything I do is eat, sleep, and breathe MMA. You know what I mean? I, um, I teach MMA at Simplify. That's a job for me. I do private lessons. <clears throat> I actually work. I'm not sure if you know this, but I work for Fuel Hunt as well. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I work in their warehouse. Um, I've been with them. I've known Drew, one of the co-owners of the company. Sure. Um, uh, I met Joe recently, but I've known Drew for oh, well over a year. And... Um, he gave me a, I, I respect the mission. I appreciate the the message of the company. And so, you know, he offered me a job in the warehouse just to supplement my income a little bit. And so everything that I do is at least tinged in some manner with MMA, fitness, these, sure. these messages, you know what I mean? There, there's people looking at that, uh, Especially, you know, you, you can do that in certain parts of your life, certain portions, you know, every, everyone's life has a chapter and to see somebody who's willing to say, Hey, I, this is where I am now. I accept the fact that this is going to suck at least monetarily, but the, the goal of it, like what I'm trying to achieve means so much to me that I'm willing, that's just the way I'm going to live. Um, you don't see it very often, you know, but you just don't. And, and it's in a sport that even from the time you started, I mean, it's, it's still crawling. It's in its infancy, you know, on where, where I think it's go, It's going to go. So, um, you know, to be a pioneer, uh, and that is, it's, it's gotta be an amazing feeling for you. And then one of the things I heard you say in another podcast is I realized over the past year that I'm 
your your ceiling went from low to high. Mm-hmm. You know, like you realize that you know I can actually. I foresee me as a champion. I foresee me fighting the best fighters in the world. What was your turning point? Like what made you, when did that, that, that switch click? And then was it an instantaneous thing or was it like, you know, dipping your toes and going, Hey, was that a fluke? You start questioning yourself. And then at some point it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm that good. Or I'm going to be that good. So, I've always struggled with self-confidence issues. Yeah. You know, I mentioned earlier uh, sure. from a young age, you know, and I'll say this 2020 was a rough year for everyone. Yeah. And I am no exception. Right. I mentioned a little before we started. Yeah. Um, after Pat Brady and I fought, I had broken my hand in that fight. Mm. Um, and I had broken it before, but not only could I not train because of my hand, but right after that, everything shuts down. Yeah. Gyms are closed. Um, we're all locked in our houses. Um, I think everybody's talked about the COVID 20 or something like sure. that. Like people gained like 20 pounds. I gained like 60. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I ballooned up. Like it was just, I, I've struggled with my weight in the past, but there was some mental health dilemma with me. I wasn't in a healthy situation in my life in general. You know, the people yeah. around me, the things that I was doing, the things that I thought about myself. And so over the course of a year, I started getting into shape. I, I really had to tackle that core like problem. Like, and I think, I think we touched on it just a little bit in passing, but it was who I was surrounded by yeah. at that time, you know, was um, people who maybe didn't want the best for me, yeah. who didn't want the best for themselves, who didn't know what they wanted in life. And you know, I had to sort of take a step back after separating myself from those people and recontextualize what it was that I expected out of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had already committed myself to MMA as a lifestyle, but I hadn't committed myself to believing that I was capable of making it the to the highest echelon. Which is what your goal, if you're going to do this, then you have to do it as well as you can. You have to believe that you're good at it. Yeah. And so I have a, 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 it really felt like fate because I was getting in shape for one fight for this promotion called Flex Fights. They're up in New York City. I had lost a fight in May of 2021. I got choked out. It was the only time I've ever been finished in my career. Um, And I believe, honestly... That, you know, those people who were around me in that mental state that I was in, a good, one of my very good friends had also passed away at the time. And it was just not, not, my head wasn't in the right place. Sure. And it was off of a long layoff. And afterwards, I just, I put my nose to the grindstone and just didn't come up for air for a couple months. And, you know, I'm getting ready for this fight in New York and I'm out at dinner one night with my girlfriend and I had just finished my gallon of water because I had some time left before I had to really start thinking about cutting weight and I get a phone call and I'm like, uh, it's my, my coach Julio. And he, he calls me and I answer and I say, Hey coach, what's up? He's like, what are you doing Saturday? Let's say it's Thursday. I believe it was Thursday night. Yeah. I say, um, I'll probably go to sparring like I do every Saturday. Sure. Why? Uh, and he says, well, you're fighting Saturday. And I, I had to say, 
excuse me. And um, he was like, Cage Fury Fighting Championships, which is the company I'm signed to now. Um, one of the premier regional MMA leagues in the country. They're a direct feeder league for the UFC. They're on UFC Fight Pass. I had fought for them prior, lost to a really tough prospect um, who's still on the circuit now. But he said they had somebody pull out because of COVID. You know, there's a COVID issue. And, and a heavyweight or a light heavyweight needs somebody to fight this weekend. They're a big ticket seller. They don't want to scratch the fight. And it was a tough fight um, against Daimir Rapa is the guy's name. Good guy. Um, multiple time high level wrestling champion. And so I was like, I don't know. Do I have a minute to think about it? And Julio says, you have 10 minutes. I'll call you back. So I called some of my very best friends. My my girlfriend was new to this whole thing. I had taken her to one MMA fight event. She's like, can you do that? Is that safe? I'm like, I don't know. I've never done it before. Um, and so I called my best friends who've been with it, in it with me since the start. I've had them. They've been my friends for about 15 years. And I tell them the situation and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you guys. They're like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're like, why not? And I said, true. I'm coming off a loss anyway. Might as well. Yeah. And um, I call Julio back and I say to Julio, and this is a guy who I've obviously known for 11 years. Um, and I say to him, Julio, you sound excited. How are you feeling about this? And he says, I have a good feeling about this. Really? Yeah. He says, I think, I think we need to take this fight. And I said, okay, I trust you. And so 36 hours later, I cut 12 pounds um, to make a 225 limit and stepped on the scale on 36 hours notice. We showed out at Parks Casino in Ben Salem, right outside of Philly, and um, just put on a did, did what we do. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put on a striking clinic. I, I did what I had fun with it. You know what I mean? For the first time in my career, and this is an important thing that I've learned if we want to talk about habits, I got into the cage and I looked out and saw they gave me 30 complimentary tickets. I handed them out to all my friends. I had other yeah. people buy tickets. I took a, a look out and I saw my friends who were in the VIP balcony and they're screaming and they're like, two days, they're two days notice fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, I had to smile and I, I, I started playing up for the camera. I, I loved it. I loved the attention. And when I got back to my corner after I circled the cage, once I entered, I took a deep breath and made myself present. Yeah. Remembered why I was there. Remembered that I, I do it for a reason and I have to love it to want to be there. And, um, we went out and we, we dominated. I, I, I don't want to say I smoked Daimir, but I, I didn't finish him, but it was, a, it was a dominant win. Sure. On our sure. behalf on 36 hours notice. And that was the moment where if I could beat a multiple-time champion wrestler on 36 hours' notice, um, having cut 12 pounds in like two or three hours um, before weigh-ins, if I could do that with just having the right mindset, with yeah. just a change in where my head was at, then if I do everything else, the strength and conditioning, stay with my high-level training, work with the right people, 
and then trust myself and trust that I have the ability to do that, I knew that the sky was the limit at that point. You know what I mean? And I, I genuinely believe that. Yeah. H- had you, had you been present and lived in the moment like that while in the uh, octagon right before a fight before? No. Honestly. What do you, what do you think this one was it? It's tough to say, you know, uh, I used to lay awake at night and this is true. I used to, after fights, even after my very first Muay Thai fight, I used to have like flashbacks to the fights and it was like a yeah. high stress thing for me. And I liked it. I didn't know why I yeah. liked it or rather I didn't know why I was drawn to do it again. Maybe in another life, you know, I cruised through school. I probably could have gone to a good college and gotten sure. a desk job. You know what I mean? Um, but there was just something about the intensity and and the the way your mind and body function in the fight that kept drawing me back to it mm-hmm. conceptually. And, and the way I feel in fight camp. And, and the way that I have to devote every moment to thinking about it, like it, it, it simplifies everything else in life. How can I worry about what bills I have to pay when if I don't keep laser focus on what's ahead of me, yeah, I'll get my head taken off by some giant man. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It puts things in perspective, right? Like. You know, we, we talk about like the stoic philosophy of understanding what's in your control and what's not in your in control. And, and when you're preparing for 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 battle and I, and I know the warrior, the concept of the warrior and the warrior mindset, I've heard you speak about it before, is something that you've been drawn to from for a, your entire life. Mm-hmm. So to have the opportunity to be so laser focused on something and prepare and actually live this thing that you've. I don't know if, if idolize is, is the right word, but to, to actually be living this, this idea of a warrior. Um, I, I mean, it sounds like it's what you're born for. I'd like to think so. Honestly, I think that, um, you know, and this was a part of myself I had to reconcile with at certain points. You know what I mean? Um, I think a thousand years ago, or 2000 years ago, I, I would have been a gladiator on the hot sands of the Coliseum. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? There's some mixture of something in me that, and I think in a lot of fighters or all fighters, maybe there's this mixture of a desire to prove oneself, you know, yeah. this chip on your shoulder that either you're born with or that's given to you through a dysfunctional home life or a difficult childhood or whatever, you know what I mean? Difficult circumstance in general um, mixed with this general desire for recognition. Yeah. The desire yeah, to be seen and known. Have you questioned that? Like you're like, I mean, cause we, we talk about identity on here sometimes and you even talked about breaking your hand and not being able to train and, 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 uh, <laughs> You know, so that's, it can be a scary pro- uh, prospect when, when everything is wrapped up in something, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of veterans on here. I'm a veteran myself and a lot of guys, you know, that's all they know. And then they're not in the military and it's like, oh geez, now what? Yeah. And then they, they, you know, they, they, they go through some, 
uh, a transition phase that can be tough. Have, have, have you taken a deep dive in that or, or is, is, is that for another day? I think that that's something that I struggle with. I'll give you an example. Actually, it happened last night. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, your body is your tool in this sport, right? And sometimes, especially with fighting, you put yourself in such a, a, a hazardous position. You know, your entire pay, what you pay your bills with, how you like for me, um, I don't have a salary. Sure. Uh, my money is directly related to how much time I can put into teaching classes, teaching private lessons, working in the warehouse. Um, and then my fight purses when it comes time to fight. Yeah. And so last night I'm sparring light with another heavyweight. Just one of my one of the guys that I work out with sometimes. Yeah. And we're not working hard. I just wanted to get a couple of rounds in to break a sweat at the end of a, of a long day. Um, and he throws a kick and I throw a kick. And it just so happened that the way our legs were aiming, um, I smashed the soft part of my knee, um, the vastus medialis or something along those lines, medialis, okay. the bottom of your quad on the inner side of your knee. Okay. I had a hard, it, it clashed with his knee. And it was probably, I've kicked a lot of elbows in my day, and it's a very painful experience. This, I wanted to tap out simply from the pain. I took him wow. down, I was working on the ground, and so I was limping around. And I get in my head sometimes about injuries, and that's why yeah. I bring up the salary thing. You know, um, I got home, and I was really struggling with, I was worried that something was wrong with my MCL. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, when something bad happens, sometimes your head just goes to oh, it makes, yeah, 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 yeah. the worst possible scenario. And then you go and online and it's worse. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm on, I'm on Google. Like how, well, how to worse. know if my MCL is torn, you know what sure. I mean? And so my girlfriend is trying to comfort me and she's like, it's okay. You know what I mean? You don't know if there's anything wrong. And I say, I guess what I had been feeling and I had almost hurt my knee prior to my last fight and I felt the same way. And I said, I, I feel like I'm nothing without this. Oh, wow. And so when confronted with the prospect of a serious injury that could negatively impact or end my career, you're like looking at this yawning void, this chasm in front of yeah. you. Like, what is my life without this thing that I've devoted myself to? Sure. And that's, you know. I, I tell that story to say that that's something that you never, and I'm sure you know, you said you're a veteran, you know, uh, you never stop struggling with that. Like, what is my identity without the thing that I've given so much of myself to? Uh, 100%. 100%. And then it's, you know, I've gone through uh, your identity wrapped up in, in one particular thing. But for me, that thing ended up being... Um, not conducive to, to me being the person I wanted to be. Right. So, mm. uh, I was, a uh, well, this isn't about me, but, but I, you know, I hung out with certain people. I drank a lot. I did a lot of, you know, this was mm. part of my, my, and then I, I had to get away from that. And, and that's, that's a weird, it's a weird thing to step away from things in your life. And, and I also, you know, I've had two back surgeries and I went through depression afterwards because it's yeah. like, everything I did was around me being able to move and do things and go to work and provide both, you know, for myself and my family. And so I get it, man. All right, buddy, we're going to take a quick break to talk about my favorite, favorite beer company out there. 
That's Athletic Brewing Company. I've said it a million times on here, but these guys have been a huge part of my own process of, of getting rid of alcohol. Now, I don't care if you're like me and you're somebody that just stopped drinking altogether or maybe you just want to cut back. Maybe you got something going on with your family and, and you just don't, well, you shouldn't have booze in your system. Well, if that's the case, please check these guys out. Athleticbrewing.com. Use the promo code capital COH20 and get 20% off your first order. Isn't it crazy to how we're, we're capable of such amazing things, but can be, you know, and, and be so tough and dedicated, but, but so fragile at the same time. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll tell you this, you know, I've, what is my job, but to beat and strangle or get beaten and strangled by other gigantic men. It's crazy. And so in my last fight, I'm fighting a dude who probably came into the cage 285 pounds as a 230 pound man myself. Um, and in that, you know, it was a four minute fight, got out of there without a single scratch on me, you know? And then I go into the gym to work out with one of my training partners, not even trying to get a hard sweat on and almost come face to face with this like life changing injury you know, possibly putting myself in that position. It's just, I don't know. Life, life has such, it, it always feels like it's something silly too. You know what sure. I mean? That you hurt yourself with, that you, that oh, yeah, you put yeah. yourself into these positions with. It's like, oh, I, I just, I was picking up a box in my crawl space and now, now my, I have a slip disc and I can't move for however many months. That it takes Ian, that was, I was at it. I was at it. I was at an airsoft. I was at a, a kid's birthday party, right? And and they were doing airsoft stuff, right? And I, yes. and I, and I go, I, let me jump in. I was literally jumping up. And uh, that was the first one. And, like, you know, fast forward two months later, I'm, I'm on an operating table. It's like, I, I felt like I, I had to lie about how I did it. You know, yeah. you, you would start making things but then up. But you find out it. that it's, it's everyone. Everyone, everyone who, who, who everyone. tries to do something just a little out of the ordinary and suddenly yeah. it's, time, it's time to my, my dad um, tried to play football with me and my friends when I was like 16 and he was he went to catch the ball one time and just his uh, Achilles tendon just like exploded just ruptured yeah <laughs> it's just how it goes you know you yeah. put yourself in those positions yeah so Break, break it down. What is what does a normal day look like for you? Because a lot of people have no idea. They they hear about fight camps, but what's a what's a normal day of, of a of a fighter that is on an upward trajectory trying to get to the next level? So, um, you know, it's it's we talk about fight camp, which is a little different than like your everyday life, obviously, because you're in the throes of preparing for a specific fight but we have a certain philosophy at marquez mma in particular that we don't like to get ready for fights we like to stay ready year round and then when it comes time to fight if we get something and this happens in the mma world a lot you know you saw it with a friend of mine fights for um he fights out of new jersey his name's hamdi abdel wahab he's the first egyptian ufc fighter um, he's a heavyweight and a good friend of mine, and he got his UFC offer on a week notice. Um, yeah. but you know, sometimes that's not feasible for guys because in the off season, 
they don't stay ready. They, they yeah. fall off. They get out of shape. And look, I get it. You know what I mean? That was how I used to be. Um, but if you stay ready year round, and I'm giving all of this context just before I get into my day, um, you don't have to get ready. And then fight camp can just be about research, strategy, and the cerebral parts of fighting, the parts mm. that are, are involving visualization, mindset changes, um, self, um, like, uh, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? Like materializing what it is that you want. Um, so in the morning I'll get up. I actually rise a little later than a lot of people probably do, uh, in this profession because I have late nights, but I'm up at seven o'clock. Um, some days if it's a little, uh, later to be at practice, I'll get up at seven 30. I'm up, I'm moving. I make my, make my breakfast every morning. I listen to podcasts the whole time that I do or video essays. I'm, I'm a big video essay guy. Um, I'll make my breakfast, make my coffee. And then, um, you know, just a very simple sort of routine for the morning, nothing out of the ordinary, but my, my commute is 45 minutes. So I'll leave I'm up at seven 30. I'm leaving. I'm out the door by like eight 45 usually, um, get to Marquez MMA at nine 30, nine 45. We warm up, we get into it. Then once I'm there, I'm there from 10 o'clock, which is when our practice starts. I'll usually work out with our normal practice, uh, for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Then I'll work out with our strength and conditioning coach, um, Mike Campbell, um, for another hour, hour and a half. At 1.30, I go, um, we're in this building called the Globe Dye Works building in Northeast Philadelphia. That's where our gym is. It's this big old warehouse on Tarsdale Avenue, um, full of a bunch of different businesses and studios. And Coincidentally enough, the Fuel Hot Warehouse is also in the same building. So I go right from the gym. I walk over to the other side of the building and I go right to the warehouse. It's it, it is beautiful. We used to have the warehouse in Ben Salem. Still not a hugely far drive, but it was like 20 minutes. You know what I mean? But now it's like I can just go straight from the gym right to working out in the warehouse. And I'll work, I'll work at the warehouse um, four or five hours uh, taking inventory, you know, uh, sorting product, getting orders out. And then I'll go from there at maybe 5.30. I'll head over to my other job, teaching MMA at Semper Fi Mixed Martial Arts Academy. And so once I'm there, I have, it depends on the day, but I have at least two classes to teach, usually one or two classes, Muay Thai or kickboxing. Um, and some days after that, you know, I, I teach from six o'clock to eight o'clock. Eight o'clock to nine o'clock, I have jujitsu. Um, so I'll train and then, um, nine o'clock till 10, 10 30, I teach private lessons. Wow. And then I go from Semperfy home. I get home 10 30, 11 o'clock, unwind a little bit, maybe read, um, and I'm in bed by 11 30, 12 o'clock. Yeah. It's a long day. These are long days. Yeah. Yeah. The Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Longest days of the week. I'm usually out of the house for like 15 hours. It's rough. Yeah. Um, but I like it too. You know, I, I like to stay busy. I feel that my mental state is better when I'm doing mm. something always. Yeah. Well, you, you talk about listening to podcasts. You talk about listening to, to uh, what would you say? Um, video? Video essays. Video essays. 
so it sounds like these these are educational in some way. What what are some of your go tos? What are some some of the types of the, the topics that really interest you? Um, you know, you know, I'm kind of a nerd, so I'll listen to stuff about pop culture, about um, tabletop games and things like that. Uh, my favorite being, and this is this will mean nothing to you, I'm sure, but um, I like Warhammer Forty Thousand is a, a certain uh, uh, franchise that I'm interested in. I listen to videos I, about it. I, I've heard you, I've heard you talk about it on another podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I love the fact that you embrace it. Like, Hey, this is, this is what I am. Like, I love it. It's, yeah. uh, it's, you know, sometimes you need escapism from beating and strangling huge men. And hey, I would you need like to, to think. you need to pretend to beat and strangle huge men in a game. You know, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but when I'm not doing that, yeah. like it'll be that, or I listen to this one, um, channel and it's an example of another genre of video essay or podcast I listen to um, called Medieval Madness. So I love, um, and, and it has kind of a corny name, but it's about, it's, it's just about like the lives of normal people in the dark ages, essentially. Ah, that's, fa- that's fascinating. Yeah. So uh, there was one that I watched recently. Um, and if you get the chance, check it out. It's really, really cool. It's, um, it's the life of a medieval executioner. So the guys who would, you know, execute criminals for the state, in medieval Europe, um, you find out that these guys were like reviled by all of their peers and like, um, you know, the dudes in the black hoods and movies and stuff. Sure, swinging, sure. Swinging the axe. It's just, it's interesting to learn about this stuff because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I love to collect a litany of like useless factoids. It's, right. it's just something that I, I, I find, uh, I take a lot of pleasure in. There's that, <laughs> there's uh, uh, stuff about like, Ancient civilizations, I'm always interested in um, cultures that maybe don't get the spotlight from Hollywood and stuff like that. Like, um, I just watched this long video about an indigenous man who did the a, a, an east to west coast like journey of discovery of um, Native American culture in the late 1600s. And just, I, I don't know, I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, it, there's like a sense of adventure that we don't get anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the sense of discovery of new places and new peoples that like really, I mean, yeah, you can hop in a plane and go overseas, but like it's not new. You've probably seen it in a magazine before. So it's like, I don't know. I like, I, I, I guess that's the same thing I like about things like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like there's always something new and exciting something. to discover. I mean, I've thought about that even like here in the U.S. when, when you know, the West was kind of this unknown and mm-hmm. people would just, you know, just start heading West. Like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, who knows what you're going to run into in that, that sense of adventure. Uh, yeah. And you're right. It's something we don't, we don't feel. I, I, I mean, I remember being a little kid and like going into a part of the woods you'd never been to or something there. Uh, you grew up in Philly, so you, maybe it wasn't the same, but, but, you know, I'm sure you can relate to something in your life and that feeling of excitement of something new. Uh, of how huge yeah. and terrifying and awesome something that you just didn't know was, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I know exactly what you mean. Um, you know, it's really, really been interesting to me is, is <clears throat> so, uh, I, you know, I've talked to Dawkins brothers 
uh, I've hung out with with uh, uh, Pat a couple couple times now. We text, spoken to youth over social media, and I said this to Pat. And this is no offense to people that go watch MMA, but there is a difference between the fighters and the temperament. And the, the um, when I talk to them, the, the way the conversation goes and the way that they carry themselves, that was much different than going to an actual fight. Because when I went to Brady's last fight, or not his last fight, the one before, that was my first in-person, like live MMA and you would think that everyone in the crowd, not everyone, but a lot of them look like they were on the verge of fighting, right? Like they were, there was a lot of bravado and, and, and there is not a hint of that from, from just talking to you, from talking to Pat, from talking to, to the doc, his brothers, like it's just not there. And it, and there's something to be said about that. Um, you know, I think there should be like some studies or something around. Like it's, it's pretty interesting to me. If I had to comment on that, um, I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, um, I, my girlfriend, she, she always tells people like she warns them before they watch my fights. If they don't know me that well, she'll be like, look, the person that you see in the cage is really nothing like him in his day to day. You know, mm. and she's had, she said this many times to people who I've met after the fact, you know, um, I told you things sort of changed for me in the way that I actualized my presence in the cage and made myself more present. But now, you know, I like to have fun and I like to talk to the camera and do all this nutty stuff, like talk trash to my opponent I, while I'm fighting him. Yeah. 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 Um, that I think if you met anybody, like I work with kids through the school, um, yeah. I have good relationships with their parents. Um, and I think pretty much anybody who knows me, who you talk to, would say that I'm pretty even keeled. And I think that's the case for most fighters because there's a, there's a few factors. A, you have a level of confidence in your ability to both protect yourself and um, carry yourself through stressful circumstances that maybe other people don't have. Um, a feature... I'll say that a martial artist, a lifelong professional martial artist, is the last person you will see starting a fight or an altercation in the street. And the reason for that is that we learn something about fighting, uh, a rule that everybody says. It's one of those little just like um, like one of those little phrases that everybody just says. It only takes one. Or yeah. everybody gets caught. You know what I mean? You could win a fight for 14 minutes. There's one minute left on the clock. And you just get clipped and you go to yeah. sleep. And the way that translates to the real world is that in the street, you get clipped. And now you bash your head open on concrete when you fall over. Or you fall onto the ground and the person that you picked a fight with stomps your head in. And now you're paralyzed for life or something, you know what I mean? Or you die or the people you love get hurt because this person is not well, you know what I mean? Or they're, you know, there's just so many things that can go wrong when you get into a physical altercation with the person that I think being a martial artist and being someone who does it so regularly, um, professionally, you, you don't want to do it any other time. And the third mm. thing I'll say before I get off of this rant that I'm on. Uh, I'll say that um, you get it all out. You know? Yeah. 
yeah. even if you're an angry person. Um, I don't feel that I'm an angry person in my day to day, but if I have to take time off because of an injury or an event, a family event, something like that, the people who are closest to me can see that change in me. They'll yeah. be like, you are, you need to go train because you're being an, <laughs> you're being an yeah, asshole. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's an yeah. for people who need it. Um, it's, 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 you know, there are a lot of people have their, whatever it is, you know, people, some people running, yeah, some people just weightlifting, just some type of outlet. It is a 100% a form of medication for a lot of people. And when you don't take that medication, you get sick. <laughs> like it's, it happens. And going back to what you said before, I think it's a really important point. And then some have even, you know, I've said to my kids, like, Fights are ugly. Fights in the cage is, you know, in the street, Herb Dean isn't grab, pulling somebody off of you. You know what I mean? And, and and people fall down, they hit their head on a curve, they die. There was just a professional, I think it was like a rugby, there was some professional athlete in another country got hit one time. And uh, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, because he fell down and hit his head wrong on the ground. So, uh, yeah, it's a great point, man. And um, I don't know. I just, it was, it, it, I was not, I don't want to say taken back, but, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised when I actually started talking to some real fighters and, and guys that, you know, like you said, they had nothing to prove. They've proved it. So the, the tough guy competition was over. Um, yeah, you, to finish this up, if you could talk to, uh, the 12 year old version of you that's in the basement playing video games, low self-esteem. Uh, what would you say to him as the, uh, from coming from the 25 year old Ian talking to 12 year old Ian? It's tough. You know, I, the instinct when you hear a question like that is to say, I would tell them all the things that they need to do yeah, get, right. to get to the version of myself that I like sure. as quickly as they can. But the truth is the stumbles, the falls, the mistakes, the bad people that you have to cut out of your life, the lost loved ones, the, the, the failed relationships, all of that stuff, all of those it. things, it, it, it's part of it. It contributes to who you become. Um, you know, even as terrible as I felt about myself at the time, you know, I, I, I was struggling with how I looked and how I felt and, you know, parts of my childhood that were difficult. They made me a, a stronger person. They made me a better man. They made me the person who I am. And I like the person that I am now, you know, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. So I guess what I would say was keep going. You know, yeah. just do what, do what you feel you have to, you know, um, maybe try to wrap your hands better <laughs> <laughs> because right. having a broken hand is Sucks. the worst. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think there's too much I could say to that younger version of myself. Um, yeah. not to sound braggadocious. I don't think it's braggadocious at all. I think 
yeah. made a lot of really stupid mistakes, but everybody has to, you know? Dude, that's the lessons. I mean, I, I posted, I posted today. I, I might even tag you in it. And, it, and it's this it goes along the stoic philosophy of, of the obstacle is the way, mm-hmm. you know, these things that yeah. stand in front of us, that is the path. Like, you, yes. we, you know, it, it certainly has been for me and it's been a common theme from, from some really amazing people that I've had the privilege of talking to on here that without these, um, without these struggles, uh, standing in front of them there, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have achieved, uh, the things that they have. They wouldn't be the person they are. So when's your, when's you got another fight coming up? Yes. Um, nothing official yet on paper, but we're looking at December, um, okay. in Atlantic city. So I'm I, very excited. Not- Keep me posted, and when that when that when that actually is something we can put out, then we'll one hundred percent post it on here awesome. and, and get it. Yeah, uh, Ian, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you're a fascinating dude. You're you've got a, a, a lot of different types of interests, and and uh, I re- just I just really enjoyed the time, man. Likewise, uh, anytime you need a guest, you let me know. Uh, I don't I know you don't need them, but anytime you want a guest. <laughs> Just oh, dude, yeah, we would love out. to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have to get you and 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 Pat and and myself, and we'll we'll actually get a live fight going sometime. Like, that would and, be fun. And do some comment. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, man, I appreciate it. All right, this podcast is produced by my good friend Anthony Palmer at Palm Tree Pod Company. If you guys are thinking about starting a podcast, please hit him. Well, actually, no, hit me up. I want to put you in touch. There's nobody better in the business. You know, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. I feel like I got a little street cred when it comes to talking about things around podcasting. So, uh, and I'm here to say that I will put my, my reputation on the line so that these guys are the best out there.